How many of you were on board with John Gray and uh, I don't need no gluten? You give me fried chicken. I want all the rest of that stuff. I curse that gluten demon, right? Uh, but dinner, but lunch was good anyway, right? I hope. Good. Despite it being healthy, it was still good. Uh, listen, we're so glad that you're in here with us. My name is David Payne. I'm the pastor of Art Plant Number 32 up in Massachusetts. So yeah, we're old timers. And uh, I'm so glad to be down here. This is my favorite time of year to be down here. It's like an injection of culture again, reignite fire about the future and, uh, and the church. And so I'm excited to be here. But really what I'm excited about is the reason that you're here, and that is to hear from Pastor Lane Schrantz. If you don't know, yeah, come on, just before I even talk about him, just go ahead and give it up for Pastor Lane. Can you do that? Um, so uh, many of you may not know Pastor Lane. You're going to wish you knew him after you heard, hear this session anyway, wish you had years of knowing him. But Pastor Lane, just to give you some context, was actually the very first staff member here at Highlands. And so when Highland launched all those years ago, 17 years ago, 18 years ago, uh, Pastor Lane was right there alongside Pastor Chris. And so he was the first staff member, helped launch the church, and then, of course, pioneered student ministries here. Um, he pioneered Highlands College. He's kind of walked through the journey, pioneered multi-site here at Highlands. Uh, Highlands today is, I think, that 44,000 people on Sunday at church across uh, the 17 campuses that they have, and, uh, and he's pioneered that and now oversees all of the campuses, uh, all the multi-site, as well as the Grow Network. So, needless to say, Pastor Lane has got uh, years of experience, but the thing that's so cool to me is he knows what it's like to be on the ground floor when, when nothing had happened yet, right? When the dream was a dream, when you were believing for what God was going to do and what he could do and you were imagining it and went through the hard work of, of pioneering it, but then get to sit where he sits now and see the way God has blessed that. And so uh, Pastor Lane is not only an incredible communicator, but you may not know this, he's also an, an internationally known race car driver. And yeah, if you, don't, if you don't follow him, you can see, yeah, come on. And uh, has won the Pikes Peak Mountain Climb. He's been the champion three times of that insane race and um and still involved in it uh his family had incredible business out in Colorado he was the president of so he's done a lot seen a lot but the thing that is so cool to me is the way he's walked so humbly for so long here at Highlands incredible leader and uh, so it's my my privilege and introduction to uh have Pastor Lane come right on up here yeah come on stand and welcome Pastor Lane Y'all sit down. That's ridiculous. Like, uh, I didn't need any of that, David. Thank you. And uh, he's the hero. Church planners are the hero. If any of you are, are in here, I mean, that's, that's what it's all about. Uh, uh, honored to be asked by ARC and the team to uh, talk about what makes a great campus pastor. And this is actually going to be the most simple, most profound, and actually the shortest app session uh, in the history of ARC. And so, uh, very quickly... Uh, I will, I will, I will not, not tell you, but I will show you what makes a great campus pastor. Blake Lindsay, come up here, please. All right. This is the whole session in its entirety, in the flesh. This is what makes a great campus pastor. We're not going to do Q&A. You guys can go make it to another session if you'd like. I'm serious. That's it. That's the session. You guys good? 
Love you, man. Blake is our senior campus pastor, senior meaning not oldest, but has done it the longest. And, uh, and it's uh, not a coincidence that he happens to be one of the best ever. And, uh, and I just wanted to, to brag on him a little bit and, and just to have him come up here and let you all see a great campus pastor. All right. Thanks, Blake. Love you, man. But honestly, uh, it is, it is going to be simple. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of weave our story of multi-site into this. Uh, I, I am only giving you uh, uh, what definition that I came up with, Pastor Chris, whenever we communicate at Highlands, uh, uh, whenever we preach, whenever we teach. He says, you need to be able to put your message in a sentence. If you can't put it in a sentence, it's not a good message. And so I'm going to give you the sentence that is the answer, in my opinion. Okay, you're, you came to hear... Highland's opinion, okay? You came to hear our opinion of this answer. You might have a different answer. I'm going to share with you uh, what makes a great campus pastor in one sentence, and then we're done. So you thought it was just Blake, but it's not. It's a sentence, and then we can go straight to Q&A, all right? No, I'll elaborate on the sentence a little bit. But, uh, but uh, the, the sentence will basically be the outline for your notes. If you want to write things down, we're gonna, we'll break it down and go through the sentence. But, so here's my definition, Jax, you can put it up, up there, and uh, we're going to leave it up there. Okay, so this is our, our outline for uh, this session today. This is what I believe a great campus pastor is, a self-led, secure son of the house who can gather and empower people and build teams and develop leaders. So that's, that's my definition of a great campus pastor. Uh, all of those attributes are extremely important, but I do feel like uh, this is pretty all-encompassing, and I, I will explain why. And I, I'm going to have to stand way, way up here on the edge of this so I can just keep looking at it, and we can w- walk through this, uh, this sentence kind of as the format for this journey. I, I, I do want to start with a story, and that is where we really blew it. Okay, so you, you heard crazy numbers, 17 campuses, 44,000 people. Okay, nine of our campuses, nine of 17 are portable. Okay, so if you, if you ever hear Pastor Chris say we were portable for six and a half years, he's only talking about one location. He's talking about our original location was portable for six and a half years. We are now portable times nine, okay, every weekend. Okay, so that's kind of crazy. So there's a lot happening uh, here around Highlands on the weekends. But in these 17 campuses, uh, the, the journey is kind of important to help set the framework for the definition right here. Of, of this is where we've ended up uh, with having great campus pastors. And so uh, this church never had a multi-site vision. Uh, what happened was this church ended up with a multi-site need. I believe multi-site is a, a fad in some senses and unfortunately has become a growth strategy, and I don't believe it's a growth strategy. If you are not growing, you don't need another site that is not growing. Okay? You don't need to duplicate something that's not growing. And a lot of churches think, well, we're not growing, so let's go multi-site. <laughs> that doesn't help, okay? So we don't need, we don't need multi-site failures out there because it'll make it harder for the rest of us, okay? So uh, we, we need to have the right reason. Pastor Chris didn't have a vision for it. Uh, we filled up that high school. We're doing three services there. That's all they would allow us to have. We couldn't have evening services or Saturday night. And uh, literally people sitting on the stairways along the, the seating in the theater in Mountain Brook High School. It's one exit down the highway here. And uh, uh, seats like 952 people, and then we'd have another 50 or 80 on the stairs. And, uh, and we were just out of space, but we had an office complex uh, that, that had a, an auditorium. It was actually lower ceiling than this with 
ceiling tiles. Okay, this was the most uncool auditorium ever, but we used it on Wednesday nights. We used it for youth gatherings, and we used it as our offices during the week. And because we had Wednesday night services, that meant we had nursery space, we had toys, we had a screen, we had instruments, we had a sound system. We had everything for church every Wednesday night, and yet on Sundays it sat empty. So I went to Pastor Chris, I'm like, hey, Pastor Greg and Seacoast, they, they got, I think at that time, had three campuses. I'm like, we could, just, we could just do that here at Highlands. We could just have a campus in the office because it's all there. And he looked at me. This, I'm really proud of this because this, this is the one time in 17 years I have an I told you so to Pastor Chris. He said, no one will ever watch me on video. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and if you don't know Highlands, we, he only speaks in three services out of the 50-something that we do. The rest are on video. Okay, so... Uh, and, and, and so he said, no, we're not doing it. And, and I came back and I came back again. I think like the persistent widow, I think he just got tired of me asking. He said, fine, go, go to Seacoast, go check it out. Went to Seacoast. They were um, amazing. Saw three campuses on one Sunday and then, uh, came back, gave the report. I think we can do it. And we opened up the office as a, as a, a multi-site, uh, for a temporary fix until we could buy this land and build this building. Uh, a year and a half later, a pastor across town that had planted 25 years earlier out of Pastor Chris's home church, Bethany, but a whole generation ahead. So they didn't know each other. They were, they were 20-something years apart in age, and, and he had been here for 25 years leading this church, told his wife in December at dinner, uh, instead of finding a, a successor for our church, when I'm ready to retire, I think we should call Chris Hodges and see if he would make our church a campus like he did with his office. And uh, a few weeks later, during 21 days of prayer and fasting, he was reading his Bible. She kissed him goodbye, went to work at Sanford University, came home. He was sitting there holding his Bible, passed away, stepped into heaven, went to be with Jesus. She called Pastor Chris after his funeral. She said, you don't know us. He said, I absolutely know of you. And, uh, and she told that story and said, I want to give you our church uh, if you'll make it a campus, not sell it as an asset. And our trustees met and uh, quickly decided to take on $200,000 in debt, take on the 13 acres of property about 25 minutes uh, away from here. If you're familiar with Birmingham at all, it's near the Galleria Mall on the other side of town uh, along the same interstate, not, not too far off of it. And so we, uh, we, we took that church. There were about 50 people in attendance then. Uh, we kept about 40 of them, uh, shut it down for six weeks to add parking and uh, add some technology and really very little to the auditorium and then uh, redid all of the kids' space and then opened it as what I would not say a vision campus or a need campus, but an opportunity campus. Okay, so that, that then became an opportunity we weren't looking for uh, but because we have margin here at Highlands, we were able to pay off that debt, add a parking lot, renovate the kids' space, and open a campus. And for the first time now, maybe we are going to be a multi-site church. And so I led the office for a year and a half, replaced myself uh, uh, with a guy named Sean Clark who planted an ark church in, in Nashville last year, uh, amazing leader. And then uh, I went and led the campus at, at this River Chase, it's our River Chase campus, it was Living Word Church. So I, I led the office for a year and a half, then I led uh, the church, that church campus for a year and a half. And then Pastor Chris is like, okay, this is who we are now, and this is what we're going to do. So for the first time, we launched a vision 
campus. And that would have been Auburn and Tuscaloosa were launched before and after this building opened. Auburn uh, launched six months basically or four months before this building opened and Tuscaloosa opened two months after this building opened in 2007. So uh, we've had experience in the, the need, the opportunity, and the vision of multi-site. So that's enough on multi-site, but you need to understand that uh, for me to really dig into this. Uh, over the years, and now 17 campuses, uh, we, we have had, I, I believe, about 28 uh, uh, different campus pastors. And I, I, I got to go through the numbers and just figure that out. But here's what I do know. I have stood on a stage at a campus 28 different times introducing a campus pastor, okay? Uh, whether that's a transition or, or something like that. And so we've, we've had a lot of experience, but we, we have one story that really kind of sets the framework for this because we, we really blew it once. Pastor Chris, uh, of course, he's brilliant in so many ways, but he has always led the church this way. Never let vision outpace leadership. Vision is easy to have, <laughs> but it's hard to pull off. And a lot of times in ministry, we get, we get, our, 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 we get our, our, our vision so far ahead of us that we can't really fulfill what we're talking about. And, and that did happen here uh, at one of our campuses. Uh, and, and what we did is, is we, went, we pushed ahead with a campus without a leader. So, so we, we had a worship team. We, we, we had the dream team. We had a location. We had the money. We, we had everything in place to launch a great campus, and we're like, who's the campus pastor going to be? Who's it going to be? And there was this one guy that just kept saying, pick me, pick me, pick me. Like, seriously, like he really wanted it. Had a heart for the city we were going to, uh, had, had been in ministry uh, for many years in another state. He was on our dream team, serving. Everybody loved him. Amazing pastor, absolutely amazing pastor. And so we launched this campus uh, in the fall of that year, and uh, just out of respect for this guy, because he's an amazing guy, I just want, I want you to uh, just get, follow the story. Launched the campus with over 600 people on launch day. It's very normal for us. We've, we've done a lot of them, and, uh, and uh, it, it's like an arc plant. You'll kind of drop down you know, to 60% of that first day or 50%, sometimes below 50%. So we're, we knew that was going to happen. And so it kind of, kind of dropped down to 300. And this was in September of that year. And it, and it kind of kept dropping a little bit and a little bit more. And I'll never forget this because on Thanksgiving weekend, which is a low weekend, I'll give you, I'll give you that. But we were from 600 in September, we had 80 people there Thanksgiving weekend. And, uh, Yours truly became the campus pastor the next Sunday, okay? And so it was like, okay, uh, anytime you have a leadership issue, we, we got to look in the mirror first. This is on me. This is, our, this is our fault. It's not this guy's fault. Okay, we didn't train him well enough. So it's like, let's get back to some basics here. I'm going to lead the campus for a few months, and I just want you by my side, every meeting, everything I do. And so by February, or so had this thing going about 250. So we're getting close back to that 50%, feel like it's healthy, the teams are strong, and I just kind of handed the baton back. Okay, here, here we go. You're ready now. You, you've seen me lead it. You've been in it. I think we're good to go, and immediately started, started declining again. And so we uh, decided to uh, put an interim 
uh, pastor there. Uh, it was actually Pastor Dave Summerall who pastors I-Town Church. He was here learning Highlands Model. Uh, he's a spiritual son of Pastor Chris's, so he drove from Birmingham actually uh, to this city about an hour away and uh, pastored it for about a year. Uh, didn't really grow it, but got it really, really healthy. Uh, Might have got it up to about 300 people over that year. And, and then God showed us the right leader for that campus, and he actually was the worship leader from day one. So he'd already been there uh, for this year, year and a half journey, already knew the teams, knew the people, and uh, we, we put him in place. He lived in the city where Pastor Dave was making a drive an hour, and, and, and that's one major reason why it didn't grow, obviously, because he wasn't in the city with the people, which I believe with all my heart has to happen if you're going to be a great campus pastor. Uh, and so... Uh, so, so uh, once we gave it to, to Jimmy, this thing, it went, it went 100% growth in six months. So boom, all of a sudden we're at 600. 100% growth the next six months. That campus broke 1,000 in less than a year of Jimmy leading the campus. Nothing changed but the leader. See, we had let our vision outpace our leadership. And it, and it almost cost us the city that we were in. I'm serious. It's like, a, it's like a bad restaurant. Once it opens up, reputation is out. You can't make up for it. They even tell you in the restaurant world, you have to mow the building down. It doesn't matter who buys it, what restaurant moves into it. You have to mow the building down and start over because people won't go back to a place they had a bad experience in a, in a restaurant. And so we, we almost failed miserably to the point of losing that city. Thank God that, that we didn't. But we, we got in that place where vision had outpaced leadership, and we learned something. This guy was amazing, and he was an amazing pastor. But he didn't have these qualities. Okay? And so that was the story to set this up. What, what's important here? Let's start with self-led. Okay? And, I, and, and please, let's, let's separate ourselves from this guy because he is amazing. I love him, uh, respect him. But so some of these things he had, he didn't have all of these things, okay? Uh, so self-led, okay, that, that mainly to me is a couple of things. That is spiritually self-led. Like growing spiritually without one-on-one discipleship, without coddling, without pushing, read your Bible, pray, like, like self-led spiritually. Moving forward in their relationship with God on their own is so critically important. Pastor Chris tells us this all the time, and you should write this down. The greatest gift that we give him And Church of the Highlands is our love relationship with Jesus. That's what's most important. That supersedes our skill set, supersedes our our schedule, supersedes what we do as leaders. It's it's number one, our relationship with Jesus. And so uh, that's first and foremost, and and a great campus pastor has to be able to to handle that on their own. All right? Self-led is also, to me, the great leadership separator is the word initiative. So just somewhere deep down in their, their personality and who they are, they, they are leaders who take initiative. <laughs> the, the, you've got to have that attribute to be a, a great campus pastor, to, to, to lead at that level, to literally lead a congregation as though you're the senior pastor. In our context, you are the senior pastor, you just don't preach. 
And so it's important that there's this self-leadership there. There's this initiative there. Once again, that I oversee our campus pastors, and I could not handle it if I had to kick them in the tail all the time. Like, giddy up, go. Come on, you got to go. You got to do something. You no, 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 no. I would much rather have a leader that I have to pull the reins back on and, and, and hold them back. Like they, they're self-led. They take initiative. They, they move forward. That, that's, that's who they are. It's in their nature. Okay. So huge right there. Uh, a secure son of the house. I, I don't know if I, I put any, any more emphasis on anything other than that one. That might be most important. Falls in the middle of the sentence, but might be most important. Because we have, we have to have as, as we spread the house out, we have to have unity in the house. <laughs> uh, the, the, the wider the, the footprint gets, we are, we, are, we are stepping into new territory for Highlands. We, we have kind of stayed in a two, two and a half hour radius of here, driving distance. And we're going to step in August, on August 12th, we're going to go to Mobile, which is four and a half hours. So we're, we're, we're kind of doubling that distance for the first time and going to see what that's like. And so we've got to have a spiritual son of the house happens to be the guy that was the worship leader that doubled the campus and doubled it again and grew it to 4,000 people before he handed it off and moved to Mobile three months ago, okay? He's a son of the house, and it's important to have a son of the house, especially when you're going to spread out. The further you get away, the more important that's going to be because, because he's, he's going to be a long ways away, and he's going to have all of his leadership meetings and all of his staff meetings and all of his dream team gatherings. He's going to have all that happening, and uh, that's a long ways away. I'm not going to all of them, <laughs> okay? I'm just, not, I'm just not going to be there. Pastor Chris isn't going to go to any of them, and so you've got to have a son of the house, and, th- and this, is, this, is, this, is, this is such a, a powerful heart condition, and it's sonship. It's, 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 it's really knowing and understanding your role with, with the heart of an heir, as the scriptures talk about it. That, that, that Jimmy doesn't need to be a senior pastor. Actually, uh, I, I thought we, we were having a conversation about a year ago, and I thought, uh-oh, this is the... This is the conversation. You kind of wonder with some of your great leaders when they're going to say, I want to plant a church. And, and I thought this was the conversation because Jimmy's like, I really, I really need to talk to you, man. And, and he started the conversation, bro, I don't know what's going on. And I'm like, oh, here it is. He's like, I'm not sure what God's doing in my heart. I'm like, oh, here it comes. He's like, I, I've just got this stirring. I'm like, oh, yeah, I was right. This is it. Here we go. He's, he's like, I, I'm, I'm happy and fulfilled, but and I'm like, oh, yeah, here it comes. I can, I can say what he's about to say. I just knew it. I just knew it. I said, you want to plant a church, don't you? I just cut him off. You want to plant a church? And he was like, no. No, no, no. Like he, then he was playing back what he had just said. No, no, I don't. I, I want to be at Highlands. This is, this is, this is where I'm going to be. And I, I was, of course, super relieved. Uh, but it, it, it showed that, that what... What we could do together is far greater than what we would do apart. And so it was important uh, for that conversation to happen that then triggered other conversations that, that triggered the thought of maybe he would be the one that would go to Mobile, and that's exactly what God was calling him to do. Okay, so uh, sonship, I, I can just teach the whole time uh, on, on sonship. This is, this is huge to me because a son is, is not focused on, on, on accolades, a son is not focused on title. 
A son is not focused on a job description. A son is not focused on uh, really even uh, uh, attention. A son understands their inheritance above all those things. And so a son can, 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 can be the, the admin or the campus pastor and be okay in their heart. Because it, it, it doesn't really matter. And, and David mentioned that I was a part of a family business. This, this is something I'm super passionate about. Pastor Chris was my youth pastor 29 years ago. So I'm, I'm a son of Pastor Chris Hodges, a spiritual son. But I also am a, a, a biological son of my dad, Randy, who started Randy's High Country Towing in Colorado Springs, Colorado, when I was two years old. And I grew up in that towing business, and my, my dad, Randy, is old school, meaning that when I came up in the business, uh-uh, no special treatment. Anybody have a parent or a dad like that? Like, it, it, there, was, it, there, <laughs> there, there was no way I was going to get anything because I was his son. It was the opposite. He was going to make me work harder for everything because I was his son. And so I had the worst jobs. I would, I would have to change the transmission in the tow truck when everybody else is out making money and it's a blizzard and the tow truck's in a freezing cold shop, kind of melting, so there's muddy water dripping in your face and you're changing a transmission while the other guys are pulling cars out of ditches, making tips and cash and making money. I mean, and I, I had to clean the toilet in the towing shop. It's worse than the, oh, you do. I mean, it's just, just let your mind go there and it's worse, okay? But I didn't care. I had the best attitude, had the best heart. I, 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 my dad gave me the oldest, nastiest truck, right? And then the other guys, the employees, they got the new trucks. And it, it didn't matter to me because in my heart, you know what? I own all of them. I don't, I don't care that that employee gets the new truck. That's my truck. I don't care that I'm cleaning the toilet because I'm actually his boss. Because someday all of this is going to be mine. So I had a different attitude about it. See, it's the same thing. Our, our campus pastors, they, they, they're not trying to build their own thing because they know they're heirs to the whole thing. So when people are getting saved in Tuscaloosa and people are getting saved in Huntsville and people are getting saved here at Grant's Mill and Jimmy's down there in Mobile praying anybody will show up, he's still getting treasures in heaven. Because we're in one house, and, and we, we have a different mindset. A son has a different mindset, a thought process, that, that we can do this thing together, and it doesn't matter where we get put or placed or called to, as John Gray talked about, that we get to, we get to be heirs to this whole thing, and that keeps our heart clean and our heart pure so that we can serve submitted to our senior pastor, Chris Hodges, with a pure heart, without an agenda, to draw people to ourselves, right? That, that's not what we need a campus pastor to do. No, we need campus pastors to draw people to the house. Sons will draw people to the house. Employees will draw people to themselves. Like it's important that we, we, we have the right uh, thought process, that we have the right prayer life, that uh, Jimmy's not in, in Mobile building Jimmy Bowers Ministries. No, he's building Church of the Highlands. He's earning treasures in heaven with what this church accomplishes, not what, what he accomplishes. I mean, it's, it's so critical, critical. I got to move on because I'll, I'll just land on that all day long. Kicker right here. Who can gather? Gather. This is, you cannot personality profile this. 
You cannot test this. You have to see this. A campus pastor needs to be a gatherer. That is, that is this person, this person that can gather people. There is charisma. They light up the room. When they want to watch the final four, people actually come to their house to watch it. When they want to get some buddies to go fishing, people go with them. When they want to have a bunch of people go to Chipotle to get lunch, people show up. They're just a gatherer. This, this speaks to the personality and, and the charisma of the leader. And, and a lot of great pastors do not have this attribute. They're a great son, absolutely. They're self-led, absolutely. But there is this dynamic that's really important. Got to be a gatherer. There's, there's, there's got to be that spark to draw people in. And it, it's, it's been amazing to watch over these, I, th I think we're 13 years multi-site. Blake, does that sound about right? Um, it's something like that, 13 years or so total, uh, uh, to just see that dynamic play out and, and see how important uh, it, it really is. Uh, in, in this, this whole process. And so uh, that's something you got to watch. It, it happened with Blake. He was my worship leader at the River Chase campus in that tiny little church. It sat 280 80 people. And he was, he was leading worship there on the Dream Team, volunteer worship leader. And I kept noticing that between services, Blake had a crowd. Like, I, it was just weird. I mean, there'd be kids running up to him, and he's high-fiving people. There's just always people around Blake Lindsay. And I'm like, man, that dude's a gatherer. Hey, Blake, you think you could just do the welcome in the next service? He's like, you know, wide-eyed. He's like, sure. He got up and did the welcome. His first welcome was better than any welcome I'd done in three years. <laughs> I'm like, wow, this guy's amazing. He's a gatherer. He can handle the stage. He could... I'm like, okay, like next week, I'm like, hey, why don't you do the closing? Do the altar call, do the prayer. He killed it. And uh, he didn't always kill it. We had a little correcting to do, a little coaching to do. And, and just, just over time, it became very clear that not only was Blake a great worship leader, he was a, a gatherer. He was self-led. He was a son of the house. All these things are starting to check off. It's like, okay, and we handed Blake that campus. When we, once we started launching campuses, the Auburn campus, that's when I stepped away. So I was a campus pastor for three years, year and a half at the office, year and a half at River Chase. And then Blake took over River Chase and grew that campus to 4,000 people uh, before he then went and launched the Alabaster campus, which is now 2,000 people. And now he launched the Grandview campus, which is now 2,000 people. That's why I brought him up here. <laughs> awesome dude, okay? But has has these attributes and 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 it doesn't mean you have all of that i think some of it can be learned but a lot of that is natural a lot of that is natural so if you are looking at a personality profile you've got to have some if you're familiar with disc you got to have some eye in there if there's no eye in there it's going to be hard to be a gatherer you got to got to got to have that people uh side to you uh to be a great campus pastor and so and not only can they gather but they can empower people this is huge because a lot of gatherers are controllers they're not empowerers that's why i had to be in the sentence because, yeah, they can get a crowd. They've got the charisma. They've got the personality. They love people, and they can get them around, but they, they can't give it away. 
They can't empower them to lead. And in and, and our model, <laughs> this is huge because we have very small staff at every campus, very small. Overall, we have an extremely small staff because we put everything in the hands of the volunteers. That, that, that's who pastors our church. That, that's who leads the church. I mean, it, I mean it's, we are a volunteer-driven culture. We call it our dream team. And so if you can't empower people, you can't be a campus pastor at Church of the Highlands because there's not enough hours in the day for you to get done what you want to do because you want to do it all yourself, and that does not work. You have to do it all through people. So you have to be an empowering leader, a leader uh, uh, secure enough to give those things away, okay? And so that's why, hello, secure son of the house. Take security to be an empowerer. Because you, you could still even be a son of the house but insecure. We all have our insecurities, right? And so you, you got to be secure enough to give it away. I had to be secure enough to give Blake more and more leadership knowing that Pastor Chris is going to find out Blake's a better campus pastor. If you're insecure, you're going to hide him. Keep him leading worship. No, just keep leading worship. You're good, man. You're awesome. No. that's See, a son who cares about his inheritance doesn't care about his image. <laughs> like, like, I'm not trying to protect. I'm not trying to protect my role here. No, I'm trying to build my inheritance. So if he's better than me, let's get him on. The, let's get him in the position, and let's release him into what God's called him to be. So, so then my inheritance goes up, but somebody else is better than I am. And it takes security to do that. Brother Billy, on his deathbed, when pastors were coming to Birmingham to visit him, Pastor Matt Keller asked him in a room full of pastors at the hospital at UAB Hospital. I happened to be in the room. Hey, Pastor Billy. What's your greatest accomplishments in life? And boy, we leaned in. What's he going to say? He smiled and kind of chuckled. He said, Matt, all my greatest accomplishments are somebody else's. And you saw how we honored that man today. Nobody knew his name. He wasn't famous. But look at this. He lived his life for the success of other people. It takes security, it takes sonship to do that. And I, I, honestly, I'm here to tell you that Blake Lindsay is one of my greatest accomplishments. Like Mark Pettis, one of my greatest accomplishments. I was the youth pastor. Mark Pettis was a small group leader. I'm like, that guy's a way better youth pastor than I am. So I'm not great at anything, but I can be great at helping other people be great. And I think there's a lot of reward for that. So... So all, these things are all, you see how it's all working together. It's like, it's this one beautiful process that you got to have all these, all these things and, 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 and tie it all together in this beautiful package. So not only do we build or, or empower people, but then you've got to be able to build teams. Still another attribute if you're going to have a volunteer-led culture. If you have more money than, than you need and you can hire all your positions, this is irrelevant for you. I, and we would love to meet you after the service. You have more money than you. Um, uh, we're building an endowment for Highlands College so all those students can come for free. So take all that extra money and give it to the endowment, okay? How cool is that? If you get into Highlands College, in a couple years, we'll have it done. If you get into Highlands College, you're going to come tuition free. That's amazing. Absolutely amazing. So you've got to be able to build teams because that's how we operate everything. 
Anything that happens at Highlands, the first response is build a team. First response. We're going to launch a campus, build a team. We're going to have a, a, a women's conference, build a team. We're going to host the art conference. Okay, you got it. I don't need to say it anymore. It's, it's a part of our culture. It's a requirement. It's, 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 it's vital here. It, it, is, it is what we do. It is the highest measure of our success at Church of the Highlands, every staff member is held accountable to that one thing, building the team. And so we celebrate salvations on the weekend. We celebrate water baptisms. We celebrate how many visitors are coming. We celebrate how many small groups we have. We celebrate how many people are in small groups. We celebrate how many people discover their purpose in our growth track. But what we really celebrate and what we measure more than anything else is how many people are getting on the team. So we feel like that's, that's the fulfillment of the Great Commission, not the beginning of it, but the fulfillment of it. So now they can be using their gifts for the kingdom. And so that, that is what Highland does for the, like the, the touchdown. Those were all first downs. That's the touchdown. Are, are you able to build teams here? And the campus pastor has to be able to do that. And then finally, and, and very, very important to this whole thing, is you, then you got to reproduce yourself. So you gotta, you got to develop leaders. It is a constant here. It's, it's who Pastor Chris is. It is how he leads. It is what he talks about, what he pushes us toward. And if, if Highlands is good at anything that nobody knows about, it's developing leaders. Because on the outside, some people look at us and, oh, Highlands is systems. Well, <laughs> so is your body, <laughs> So is God's creation. Ever heard of the solar system? Like everything God does is in a system, right? And so you, you, you are a combination of systems. Pastor Chris is called the systems guy for one reason. His systems work, okay? So, so you, 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 you see these systems, but underneath all of that, all of that is developing leaders. And, and, or you could call it discipleship. I think it's one in the same. That you're pouring into people and, and getting them to step into their calling, getting them to step into all that God created them to be, getting them to the place where they can live out their God-given purpose and destiny. And so the development process has to continue. So no campus pastor should ever feel like they've arrived. Because if they, even if they stay at that campus, they better be pumping out more campus pastors. We stole this from one of our campus pastors that used to be a manager at a Starbucks. And whether Starbucks does this now or not, it doesn't matter because I love it and I stole it and we use it. And that is every manager at Starbucks had to have a ready now and a ready in six months. And so I have, I think I have 10 or 12 of my guys here, campus pastors, maybe more than that. They're in the room and we could pull up any of them. Who's your ready now? Who's your ready in six months? If you get hit by a train today, just stay away from trains today, guys. Um, who's, who's your ready now? Now, that shouldn't just be for a campus pastor. It should be at every level of ministry at Church of the Highlands, in every position, that you're not just working for your position. You're, you're working to replace yourself. And who can do it today, and then who can you have ready six months from now? That keeps the development process moving. And some people... it. 
takes longer. So maybe that ready in six months is not ready in six months, but we still know who they are. And we, we know who we're working on and we, we know who we're believing in and we know who we're pouring into and we have conversations about it. And development comes with, with tough conversations, right? I mean, if you, if you were either in here listening to, uh, to Terry, Chris, talk about Hillsong culture, talking about conversations yesterday, or if you're on the other side of this wall in this same 130 session and you heard Phil Klein talking about development, it happens one-on-one, you got to have hard conversations. Development doesn't happen by osmosis. It doesn't just happen because they're with you. No, it's like, Nate, how in the world do you think it's okay to dress like that? You're a campus pastor. You have 2,000 people following you, and you think that's okay? We, we have to have that conversation, right? I can't just think that, that Nate just being around me should see what I wear and think, okay, I'm modeling it. No, that we have to confront it. We have to talk through it, and it, what, what, whatever it is, it's like it's like... People have no idea how, when I walk off the stage, I'm so glad Pastor Chris is not in here. I am. Because if he was in here, when I walked off or out of the room or when we got in private or maybe later today, I'm going to have a list of things that I should have said, could have said better, or should never say again. <laughs> so You think that's funny. That hurts my feelings. Correction never feels good. Never. Encouragement feels good. Correction makes you better. And so, so you got to have those tough, tough conversations to develop people. And so if you had a campus pastor who was self-led, secure, son of the house, gatherer, empowers people, and builds teams, but can't have tough conversations, you can't be a great campus pastor. If he can't re- reproduce himself, I need more. You, if you're awesome, I need more awesome. I need more of you. Who's it going to be? And so that encompasses everything I believe makes a great campus pastor at Church of the Highlands. So now we'll do Q&A. All right. So I think, I think we run a mic around. I believe they're recording this. Are they recording this? Because they're recording, we have to have it on the mic. I know I could hear you. So raise your hands and keep your hand up so the mic could go to the next person while I'm answering another question. All right? So as soon as he's done with the mic, take it to the next person. Go for it. All right. So you got them. um, You know who they are. You're planning uh, to launch another site. I I mean, I'm sure you also put site passes in place of others. So how do you get them from, okay, you're going to be our next site pastor to launching? Like, what's that development process look like? It's really, really long, and it's longer now because we're, we're a more established church. In, in the early, early days, Blake's development process was with me on Sundays for maybe three months. And then it was like, you got it, man. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to Auburn, and then I'm going to Tuscaloosa, and I'll come back by here if I can. Like, that was, that, it, that's what it was 13 years ago. Now, it's, you're, you're on the dream team. You're serving. You're leading small groups. You're like, I, I feel like I'm called to full-time ministry. Okay, you go to Highlands College evening. 
you go to two years of Highlands College evening and, and maybe you get hired as a small groups director or a dream team director at a campus. That, that would be our associate campus pastor roles. Uh, our, our student director role could be an associate campus pastor, um, uh, even a worship leader that maybe a future campus pastor uh, could, could be a, a, a director that's associate campus pastor. But those roles then become a, a training ground that because we have been training so many leaders for so many years, uh, there's a lot wider spread of that development team. Does that, does that make sense? So as you're in your multi-site journey, uh, your, your farm team should get bigger and bigger and should get pushed further and further away from full time so you can vet them, see them lead, really put them through the paces before you ever hire them. We hire very, very slowly. Uh, and and, and in, in some cases, uh, that, that process gets skipped a little bit more. Uh, Stephen Winston, wave your hand at everybody right here. Keep it up there. Keep it up there. Uh, Stephen uh, was almost as fast as I've seen it happen in recent years. And we hired you in your third semester of Highlands College? Second semester. So he was dream team, Highlands College evening. And in his second semester, we hired him as a director at the Fultondale campus. And... He graduated, so in the, in the next semester, he has, uh, they have to keep going through Highlands College, even though they're on staff. Uh, a, a semester later, he planted the church, right? And you graduated Highlands College in that final semester. Uh, and so he, he planted his campus about a month before he graduated Highlands College. Uh, that's uh, 30 minutes across town uh, uh, on this same highway. It's as far as you can go on this highway, the opposite direction to the west. And, uh, and they're running about 1,400 people there. But that's about as fast as I've seen it happen in recent years. And that was still a couple-year journey for, for him. Yeah. Oh, sorry. sorry, I had uh, two questions. Uh, they'll be, both be quick. When you guys open a new campus, do you find that there's a minimal number of positions from a staff sense that you need to open a campus with uh, besides the campus pastor? Yeah, so, so we're volunteer-driven. So we, we don't really uh, have a, a quota or this is going to be full-time, this is going to be full-time. I will quickly, we're kind of getting off the campus pastor subject, but I can quickly answer this because many of you are like, yeah, who, who are the positions? Every campus, including this one, has the same leadership structure. Yeah. Campus pastor, seven people under them, okay? So it is a small groups director, a dream team director that would oversee the, the, the assimilation process, our growth track, and then volunteers a student director, a kids director, a production director, a, I didn't say worship, worship director, and then an admin, okay? The admin are the superheroes. The admins are the ones that catch it all. Like, they're, they're the glue. All the campus pastors are like, yes. Yeah. And, uh, and then if you have a permanent campus, so that, that would be less than half of ours, you would add an eighth person in that facility. So the structure is the same. But when we, when we launched our last campus, McCullough, or, uh, Oxford was launched two months ago. Brian, you had one full-time staff when, on launch day or two? One part-time. Oh, one part-time. So he, it was the biggest campus launch in the history of our church, 2,000, almost 2,100. And he had one part-time staff member, but he had all those positions filled. Okay. So those are, those are volunteers leading in those areas. And as God brings us confirmation, we might hire the kids director first, full-time. Right. 
we might hire the worship director first. So it, 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 it kind of, it, it depends on the people that God gives you. Your worship director might love his job and, or her job or her career, or she's a, a stay-at-home mom. It's like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to work at the church full-time. So you just let God bring you who he brings you. And, and it might be, it, it could be your admin that you bring on first, which in most cases, we bring our admins on pretty quickly uh, because they're helping the campus pastor in every area. Uh, so that's the structure and how we hire. What was your second question? So the, the second one, once again, somewhat of a campus pastor question. As you guys continue to grow and you have multiple campus pastors, I believe you said you're in the role now where you oversee all the campus pastors. When did you find that, that if there is a number to say, hey, now we need to create where we are overseeing the campus pastors from one individual? Okay, uh, I, uh, the complex answer but important question, so thank you. Uh, there, there's kind of two ways to handle multi-site. And, and one would be central control, and, and one would be campus control. So, you, so the people that are in charge of the campuses work in one area, and then they, they have authority in all the campuses. So the worship leader or for the whole church basically is the boss of worship leaders at all the campuses versus the campus pastor being the boss of the worship leader. I'm, I'm putting it in business terms. We have been in both uh, categories. And so in the early years of Highlands, uh, we, we kept departments leading their staff at the campuses. So the campus pastor could stay lean and mean, basically. So the campus pastor is not thinking about worship, not thinking about kids, not thinking like they can lead their teams, lead their volunteers, lead their small groups. And the departments are providing oversight, authority, scheduling. All, everything is coming from the department head. That's awesome up to four, five, six, seven campuses. Now we start feeling attention because I see Beth, who's right here in the back. She's our children's pastor. So now she has seven kids directors. And so now if she was going to visit one every week, okay, now it's seven weeks to get to them. So she's losing touch. And so she needs to hire somebody to help her. You guys following this? In corporate America, that's a middle manager. And let's back up to the campus pastor. The campus pastor has all responsibility because who's in trouble if the campus is bad? It's not the, ki it's not the kid's director. So the campus pastor in this model has all responsibility yet no authority. Great leaders, great leaders want authority. Otherwise, they'll just go find something else to do because nobody likes to lead in that environment. And so if you're going to keep great leaders around, you've got to give them some authority. And so this tension is, is there. We managed it extremely well and continue to manage it. And here's how you manage any tension in any direction, and that's great communication. And so Beth would just continually communicate with the middle manager, with the campus pastor, and we would just fight through this tension. And we would just work it and work it and work it. And yet now we're at eight, nine, ten campuses, and it's, okay, we need a couple middle managers. And so you just get in a place where you have a campus pastor carrying all this responsibility, and yet a middle manager has the exact amount of authority. And, and so that eventually had to shift us to what you would, in the corporate world, call decentralization. We did that a couple of years ago. And so we, we now have the campus pastor has full authority. Uh, however, that doesn't mean that the departments are not involved. Because multi-site in the church world is not franchise world. It is not fast food. It is not coffee. A Starbucks manager can do every role in that Starbucks, can train every role in that Starbucks. If somebody doesn't show up, they can do that. That person's job. In a, I call it a matrix organization like church, it's complex. 
that means the campus pastor cannot do the production person's job if they don't show up. I look, I look at our production equipment, and I'm like, like I'm overwhelmed. Like I, like I would hit the wrong button every time. Like it just overwhelms me. So you can't expect a campus pastor to be an expert in seven areas. Like it's just impossible. Therefore, you need departments who are experts to bring in their expertise to, and they help with budgeting. I, don't, I still don't want campus pastors, I, like God bless Beth, figuring out how many diapers we need for the year. Like that's not what I want them doing. So that Central can help with budgeting, with training, with, in her world, curriculum. All that's being driven, all that's being led by the expert, not by a campus pastor. Okay, And so it's a, it's a straight line, dotted line, if you will. So the authority is in the campus pastor's uh, world. So, so the kids director at every campus reports to the campus pastor, but yet they have dotted line to Beth, who is providing everything in their world. And so if, if we're going to remove or hire a kids director, it is a joint effort between Beth and the campus pastor. Because Beth is the expert not the campus pastor. He's like, well, I really think Bill should be my kids director. And Beth is like, Bill doesn't even like kids. Bill's just your best friend. So I need the expert speaking into who the campus pastor hires in all those areas. Does it make sense? And that has proven for us to be a great balance. Tension never goes away, ever. Okay. It's, it's always going to be there, but that's where we have landed. And I, I actually personally like our journey. People ask me, well, do you wish you would have started decentralized? No, we were able to be lean. Our campuses were led by one staff member, sometimes two, two and a half, like Brian was talking about. Uh, and now, uh, now we've shifted and campuses have large campuses. Uh, how many full-time staff do you have, Matt? Matt has one of the biggest campuses, over 4,000. You have 11. So he has 11 full-time staff members for over 4,000 people. Uh, coming for us that's a large staff and because before when Blake was there Blake before we decentralized how many full-time staff did you have at River Chase so he was leading 4,000 people with two or three people yeah <laughs> so but but Blake but Blake had all these middle managers helping. See what I'm saying? So you had all this full-time staff coming out of Central that was supporting his team, which just became inefficient for us. So long answer to a great question. I hope that helped you guys. Where did the next mic go? Right here. So uh, thanks for so much, first of all, for doing this. I understand the, the self-led, but as far as what you guys have seen maybe worked, uh, as campus pastors that you guys assigned, how much um, – uh, okay, well, let me ask it this way. They're self-led, but what are their parameters that to give them? In other words, they know I don't have to ask this. I can just do this or no, I might need to ask, okay. go up to ask this. I, I got you. And, and maybe even more to his, his question. They are, they are self-led here because in no organization should you have more than seven to nine direct reports. I have 18 of them. We have 17 campuses plus Jimmy. So I have 18 direct reports just in that world, not counting I oversee GROW. And, uh, and campus development. So I really have 21 direct reports, but Pastor Chris doesn't want me seen as a direct report. Those campus pastors are at the highest level of leadership, and I am, I am just a, a support for them. So we, we don't have one-on-ones. They have to be self-led. 
Like they, they have to take care of their relationship with God. I'm available to them if they get in, in a crisis situation where they need me. Uh, but they have Blake. They have Steve, who's been here 15 years. They have, uh, they have even other campus pastors that they learn from. And, and, and so that helps us uh, or helps me really. I'm not leading them. I'm, just, I'm more like an overseer would be. So I'm not highly involved. And I'm answering the end of your question. And I completely forgot where I was going with yours. Could, you, could we give him the mic back or... It's already on record, so say it again. Yeah, I mean, I'm wondering what's that parameter? Oh, the parameters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So our campus pastors have tons of authority and no freedom. I'm serious. We're one church. Many rooms. We have a very clear vision at Highlands. We have a very clear culture at Highlands, and we have very clear systems at Highlands. They don't have freedom to change any of it. And they love it. They get to lead 4,000 people. They get to start one with 2,000 people. They get, like, they're nodding back there. They love it. And so a lot of us think, oh, no, freedom. Like, what leader? No, winning is better than freedom. Come on. Do 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 you think players at the University of Alabama have any freedom? Zero freedom. Why are, they, why are every one of them happy to be on that team? Row tide. You see what I'm saying? And so, so, so really, now, now let, me, let, me, let me give the flip side. Ministry staff at Highlands actually have more freedom than you guys can imagine. We have no hours. N- none of these pastors, Pastor Beth and kids, no campus pastor has hours. We don't, we don't operate that way. So they have lots of freedom. If they can do their job in two hours a week, which is impossible, we do sometimes five services at what, some campuses. So, but if they can get their job done in two days, they only work two days. Because we, we, have, we have so much clarity in everything that we do. Some of them are night owls. They, they would rather do their emails at night and not be in the office. Some of them would rather be in an office than be at home. Like, it, it doesn't matter to us. There's lots of freedom here on our team as long as outcomes are being, being made and, and health is always measured. So if, if we are healthy, we don't have goals at Highlands. We have health measurements. And so if we're healthy and, and teams are being built, they have lots of freedom personally uh, to lead, but they don't have freedom when it comes to uh, the vision, the culture, or the systems. And so it's actually a wonderful place uh, to be. And, by the way, another multi-site little slide to that, those clarity in those three areas is why Church of the Highlands is Church of the Highlands. So if you don't have clarity in your vision where everybody knows it, and you don't have clarity in your culture where everybody demonstrates it, okay, if you're not demonstrating your values, you, that's bad. Okay, you got to demonstrate your values. So we have clear values. That's what push values drive culture, not vision. You could have the same vision as Highlands: no God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference, and your culture could be terrible because your culture is not driven by vision. It's driven by values, and it is it, it is created by whatever's being demonstrated, good or bad. So, so, and then you've got to have clarity in systems, and that's where most churches mess up. Because you ask, hey, what are your values? And they give you their cool little values. And what's your vision? And they give it. And every staff member can say it the same way. And then you're like, how do you accomplish it? And if you had them in a separate room, they would all give you a different answer. That means you don't have clarity in your systems. They give good answers, but their answers are usually coming out of their department. 
like, oh, this is how we help people know God. Well, you're speaking from a kids ministry or a student ministry standpoint, not clarity in system on how we do this as a church. And so that, that helps. Word the... How do you create a culture where your best leaders are going out to multi-site instead of everyone wanting to stay here, at, for lack of a better term, the mothership? Uh, that's, a, that's a great question because we, we, we really don't, we really don't talk a lot about, uh, we want our campus pastors to have a love for the city that they're going to. Uh, I would, I would almost, I, I, I would, if, if we had time for me to bring Jimmy up here and ask him, he was not dreaming about Mobile when he came and had that conversation with me. But once presented with it, it was an opportunity kind of like John Gray. It's like, I'm not, I, I'm not going, I'm, I'm obeying. Like I'm, like, I'm just going to go what, what God put in front of me. So our guys love their cities, but in a lot of cases, they didn't love that city before they went there. I'm from Colorado Springs, y'all. Have you ever seen pictures of Colorado Springs? Have you ever been there? It's where the Garden of the Gods is. Like, it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. I saw Pike speak every day of my life until I moved to Birmingham. Listen closely. I'm going to drop a nugget here. I got, I, got, I got two minutes left. I believe God calls leaders to cities. But I believe God calls the rest of us to people. Like I'm called to Chris Hodges. It didn't matter if he planted in Birmingham or in, in, in Omaha. Guess where I'd be working today? And guess what I think would the best city in America would be? It'd be Omaha. I love Birmingham. I lo I've never missed Colorado Springs one day in 17 years. But I wasn't called to Birmingham. I was called to Chris Hodges. And Jimmy Bowers isn't called to Mobile. He's called to Chris Hodges. It's not. It, it, and, and so we're, we, we have that culture. God builds his kingdom relationally. So he does it through people. And, and so we don't get caught up in in locations <laughs> we get we we get caught up in the whole relationship side of it now if jimmy hated mobile we would not let him be the campus pastor so there is a little bit of of that dynamic we do not have campus pastors in auburn and opelika that love the university of alabama war eagle <laughs> i mean it's, it's just it wouldn't happen so so there is a balance to it so i don't want to be too dogmatic about that uh, but, but we really believe in the relationship factor. And wherever God places you, I believe if, if he placed you there, you will develop a supernatural love for that place. And, uh, and, and I have that here, all of these campus pastors, which I would want all of you quickly to run up here because I have 25 seconds. So quickly, all the CPs run up here. I just want you to see their face because they're available for the rest of the conference for you guys to ask questions and talk to them and, and all of that. That's why I wanted to end right on time. And so you've got time to uh, meet these guys. And so uh, five seconds left. God bless you. Have a great rest of the conference. Come ask these guys any questions you want.